Welcome, one and all, to The Actor and The Actuary, as we two guys in opposite states talk about our careers, our life in completely two different worlds, as we try to figure out what the heck's going on, who we are, what we're doing, and if it means anything at all. Jeff, how are you this evening? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. Um... I gotta know, what are you drinking? What are you drinking? What are you drinking? What are you drinking? I have a uh, vodka ginger ale tonight. Wow, that sounds like something uh, that I would usually have. That, that sounds yeah. delicious. Yes, it is quite delicious. I decided to mix it up this evening. Yeah, I like that. Well, uh, I hear you're not drinking anything yet, but I'm about to be. Ooh. Mm. And what is that? I hope you heard that. That is a, uh, this is an IPA. It is from Unmapped Brewery in, uh, in Minnetonka here. Uh, it is the No Trace IPA. Leave no trace. I will not leave any trace left in this can. I promise you that. We totally made a little bit of a flop this evening on drinks. I chose yours and you chose mine. Well, no, it's not like I'm having a bourbon aged Cabernet. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, so Jeff, uh, you may remember from the episode, uh, about the ladies, we had a contest out there, um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the ginger was the winner of the contest, right? Ginger. Ginger. Uh, so yeah, so the ginger as her prize, you know, we said the, the prize was in the mail. It really was. Uh, we set, sent her, uh, a, unfolded uh, notarized document with uh, on the actor in the actuary letterhead um, that congratulated her and um, told her that she could participate in an episode uh, of the actor in the actuary. And uh, it turns out from her, what she would like to do is she has some stories that she would like us to bring up and oh. discuss. Okay. Um, they may be incriminating in some in some ways, but that's okay. It's, it's her prize. Uh, she rightfully earned it. All right. Let's hear what the ginger brought up. Ginger. Ginger. Uh, for the actuary, that's me. Uh, she wants me to talk about the fun pocket. Mm. Um, so yeah. So one thing I bet you probably wouldn't even believe this, Jeff, but, uh, when I was in college, one thing that I enjoyed doing was swing dancing. Did, would you believe that? Uh, I, I would believe that because I knew that. Okay. Wow. Well, looking back, I'm not sure. I, I can't believe that. But anyway, I did go you swing dance. You don't remember that? I used to swing dance. We used to swing dance all the time. B-dubs, well, no. by the way, need a moniker. But we, we, you don't remember swing dancing? No, no. I remember it. Okay. I'm okay. just saying. I'm sorry. I I'm jumping the gun. I don't seem like the kind of person that would swing dance. That's all I'm saying. All right. Go, go, go. Anyway. um, So. I was swing dancing with the ginger, uh, and all of a sudden I just, uh, out of my pocket, I pull a red racquetball and, uh, <laughs> throw it on the ground and yell fun pocket. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the first time I've heard you do that either. I've seen you do that in so many different places. The fun pocket is a very iconic moment with, with the actuary. Yeah, I don't know what happened. I don't know why I was so enthralled with this fun pocket idea. Um, I think the first time the fun packet ever happened, this is bonus material for you, Ginger. Ginger. Yeah, Ginger. Jeff, I think it was on our way home from a casino mm-hmm. in a snowstorm mm-hmm. uh, with the hacker, actually. Mm-hmm. And I believe we got in a car crash. <laughs> 
well, not a car crash. We just, uh, we, uh, slid off the road into a slid ditch. off the road, right? Cause it was a blizzard yep. and it was four in the morning. Uh, and we're standing by the side of the road, kind of dejected waiting for a tow truck to come and nobody's really saying anything. And then all of a sudden, uh, sure, sure enough, out of my coat pocket, I take the red ball and throw it against the window of the yep. uh, broken down car. Fun pocket, yep. fun pocket. And <laughs> fun we also pocket. had a, we had a fourth person in that car. Uh, we won't tell you who they are until they write mm-hmm. in, but there was yes. four of us. So for the actor, uh, Jeff, um, she wants you to talk about when you were up at Trout Lake camp, all the junior high girls thought that you were pretty much Justin Bieber and thought mm-hmm. that you were the same age as them. Yeah. Fact. hundred percent. 100%. I had the swoop. I had the hair. Justin Bieber stole it from me, by the way, because he was younger than me. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely was Biebs at camp and definitely um, nobody knew that I was on staff. Uh, everybody thought I was camping with them. This one includes both of us. So one time the ginger was watching How I Met Your Mother with me and some other people. And I guess there's a part in the show about somebody liking calves. And I refuse to believe that that was a thing. Hmm. So I guess what happened is we called you or, or the ginger called you and um, said, Hey, uh, what's the number one thing I like about guys? And the cat. Said, oh yeah. Calves. I mean, yeah, yeah for sure. Calves. You know, it must be nice to have such nice calves, Jeff, that, you know, you know, that that's a thing that people, that girls uh, like. My wife loves calves. She loves them. It's a thing. <laughs> Women love it. Women love a good calf. I guess I just don't have the calves that you've got there, Jeff. Uh, well, you can work on them. Do a little calf raising. The last thing the ginger leaves us with is that for the record, she does have her kids do calf raises. So <laughs> see? They're, yeah, they're exactly. going to be ready to go. Yeah, see, okay, perfect. Well, thank you, ginger. 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 For uh, writing in and being part of our show. Um, this is just inspiration to all of you listeners who have a moniker in or are waiting for some reason to send yours in, come be a part of this show. Uh, it's not just about the actor and the actuary. It's about all of us. And, uh, let's talk. All right, Jeff, what are we talking about tonight? Uh, so I think a little bit of, uh, how you would describe comparing apathy and contentment, um, you know, in the workforce, where do you draw the line between letting an external factor dictate how you feel, uh, and, you know, completely removing yourself from your surroundings and things like that. Like, I think we've gone through a lot of, uh, times in our relationship where we basically had, or in, in our workplace where we basically had to decide, am I going to let this affect me? Am I going to let it ruin me? Is this important enough? Or am I going to just say, Hey, you know what? Just like throw it out with the bathwater here. Like, let's just move on and and forget about it and just chalk it up for a, it is what it is. And let's, let's do this. It's definitely a spectrum. So before we even dive into it, what, what do you think before even thinking too much about it? What side of the spectrum are you on? You more on the apathetic side or more on the take it too seriously. Can't find contentment side. No, I'm, I'm definitely in the, uh, the apathetic side. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I fall on that, uh, on that side too. Um, it seems like it's, it's easier sometimes to, yeah, to not, to not care about things, to not put all your, your faith in something that you, you don't know how it's going to turn out. Um, it actually reminds me, um, I have some coworkers who they have this ongoing joke, uh, where they say you care, <laughs> like almost making fun of somebody if they care about something because it's like 
and I think that's that's true. Like you, you always want to make fun of something that ca- you always want to make fun of someone that cares about something that you don't, you know, because mm-hmm. it's affecting mm-hmm. your. They're letting it affect their lives, and you aren't letting it affect your lives, and so. It's, yeah. it's like, it's almost like it's a crime to care about something, to be upset if something <laughs> happens. I'm uh, so we were, uh, we were spring break in Florida, I think. And, uh, we were out to dinner, me, you and Joel. I, I don't remember. Was David, uh, David was probably there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, David was there. And, yeah. uh, and we were sitting, we were <laughs> sitting across from each other <laughs> And it was like, I don't know, seven or eight at night. Like we had just had a, a day of hanging out. Then we showered, went out to dinner and I'm looking at you and I'm literally seeing water dripping from your hair, <laughs> like onto the table. Like we're ordering food. It's dinner time. And I'm like, dude, did you dry your hair? We, you look like you have a mop on your head. Your hair is soaking wet. And you're like, what? No, it's not. And so I like, I took a photo of your hair and I turned it around to you and you were like, whoa. And I, it was like bothering me. You didn't care at all. But in that moment, I was like, uh, you're, you're ruining this dinner for me. I don't know why, but your hair is soaking. All right. Well, a couple things. First of all, let's throw that on the Instagram. So you can check out the picture on our Instagram if you want to and you okay. can see what he's talking yeah. about. Um, second, okay. I mean, I, I didn't really pay as much attention to my uh, appearance, maybe. <laughs> I, I, was, I wasn't used to like, caring that much about what I look like. But in that moment, when you told me my hair was dripping and I looked like a mess, like, yeah, maybe I did kind of care, but it's a defense mechanism to say, well, I don't really care what I look like, you know, whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. think that's, uh, you know, as funny as that story is, I think that happens a lot. Like, you know, even take sports teams, for example, do you care if your team loses, if you're, you know, if your team is, say one game away from the Super Bowl and there is a field goal that's you know mm-hmm. wide left. Uh Very do you care? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Do you care? I mean, is it a crime to care? And it's definitely easier to just say, yeah, whatever. I didn't really care about that. Mm. Um, but is that really true? Like if that field goal had had been true, gone right down the middle, would you have celebrated? Uh because that then you're not really being honest. Uh, so I think you can, a lot of times people use, I don't care as a defense mechanism. And I definitely did that night on the road trip. Cause yeah, of course I care what I look like, but what else am I supposed to say? I got the good looking guy telling me that my hair looks like crap. That that's a really good point. And you're like, actually like hitting part of the core of me that I probably haven't wrestled with enough because I do say that a lot in our marriage. Like, I don't care. But I do, I literally do have an opinion. Like, for example, we're, we're remodeling a bathroom right now when we were just at a store and, uh, Jack was, you know, picking out faucets and, you know, Jack's very, um, she's going to spend some time thinking, well, I want it to look like this and I want a color and let me see that one again. And like, there's 18 people behind us and there's like six people she's wrangled in at the store and you know, okay, wait, go back to that page. How long is that? And like opposing all these questions and I'm dying inside, um, and she like, like the you efficiency. Know, oh yeah. With the efficiency. And then she finally will turn around and be, what do you think? And I'm like, I don't care. I don't, I don't let me just get all. out of the situation. I am so uncomfortable. And then she'll be like, you don't care if it's this or this. And then she'll like, show me too. And I'm like, well, I, yeah, I don't like that one. I like this one. So you do care. Well, yeah, of course I have an opinion, but I'm dying inside because of my inability to just be content with the room. You know, I am, I'm mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Uh, 
I, I feel like I go through that a lot. Yeah. Oh, and that's a, that's another good point. When, when you have something else that you care about more then it can make you care less about, uh, you know, something else. So in this example, right, like you cared more about just picking out a faucet, even though you did care what it looked like, you cared more about just picking it out and being done with it. Yes. Right. Yes. And I think we all, I, I mean, as life gets busier and busier, we all have competing priorities like that. And uh, I think it's part of the way that we're wired. You, you can't really care about everything. You can't, um, you can't spend your time on every little decision that you make. Mm-hmm. So I think it's healthy to an extent, but there definitely is a spectrum. Well, yeah. And also it comes at a cost sometimes, like in that moment, you know, Ever's screaming for more cheese and like, there's a bunch of people and I'm also a people pleaser. So you're mixing, you know, a lot of these factors together. And I probably in that sense, you're talking about prioritization, probably misprioritized my people pleasing. I should probably please my wife. Who's got a very specific design in mind for this bathroom and my daughter who needs another piece of cheese and not really care so much about the people who are working on, you know, in the place and work about the other people who are looking at faucets. Like we're in line. We waited. It's our turn. We'll take the time that we need. And I need to be okay with that and let my wife have the time that she probably deserves and wants to pick out a faucet, even though it may or may not be too long for my own liking. Yeah, I totally do that too. It's so, it, um, I think we've talked about this on a previous episode too, but sometimes it's easier to, to prioritize strangers over people, you know, because you know that people, you know, are going to give you some grace. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't know if these other people will, um, but it is kind of backwards. It is know? totally backwards. It actually yeah. goes against my, my, one of my vows. And, uh, I'm just totally calling out myself out right now because Ooh, one, wow. in my, in my vow, I said, you get more animated about new bath mats than any person I've ever met. And I love that about you. Um, I do need to remind myself that I love that about her because without that specificity in our relationship, we would just go through and decide, decide, decide and miss the present and not settle in the moment and be there. And uh, she slows me down and I speed her up. And sometimes it's a great train motion we have going. And sometimes I need to remember that I don't have to always be the, the engine leading it. And I could really just sit down and let her, let her pull me back and speed and, and be present there. And I, I think I, I'm reminding myself right now. That's one area where I need to, to settle. Well, that's great. We're already making some progress then. Uh, but question bath mat. What, what is, what is a bath mat? What do you mean? What, what is a bath mat? Like what is the floor mat in a bath? Like the mat on the ground bath mat? Well, you're talking about the math, the mat, like in a bath or in a bathroom, a bathroom. Yeah. The bath mat, the floor mat. Okay. Well, I mean, I thought maybe you're talking about the mat that some people put um, oh, the like the plasticky thing. Yeah. No, you're talking no. about like a rug. Uh, I'm talking about like a, a bath mat. Have you, do you know what a bath mat is? I guess not. Do you remember any times that you have been on the opposite end of that spectrum where you've let something affect you to a level that it probably shouldn't have affected you? 
I mean, from like an acting standpoint, for sure. Uh, I think it's grown a little bit healthier over the 10 years I've been here. You know, when you, you go out for an audition, I think we've referenced this in, in other episodes, but when you go out for an audition and you don't get the job, you you have a higher percentage of not getting the job than you do of getting it. Just simple math, you know, how many people are going out for that role, the thousands that get submitted, then how many get actually brought in and how many see the cast director, how many get the call back and how many get put on hold to actually booking the job like it's it's totally not in your favor and when you're doing that on a massive career changing opportunity where it's a series regular for a show or a movie that's working with like a really big actor that you would have multiple scenes and lines with like when you don't get that and you think well I could have done that or I really could have been there I could have had more success or that could have been the jumping point for my career here. Like you really start to wonder and kind of sit with that. And I think in the first few years of my acting career, I would leave a room and I would process and I would run over this, the lines again. How did I do it? Did I do it right? Did I say it right? What did I do on that part again? Oh, did I fumble a little bit there? Did I start over? Did, oh, did, what, how was the room? Was it a cold room? Did they receive it well? Were there good laughs on this beat? And I would play it over and over like a cassette tape, you know, just running through all the way home. And then I'd get home and then I'd be like, oh, my sides are still, my, my lines, they're, they're sitting on the couch. And I would like, okay, oh, I got, okay. Yeah, I did get them all. Okay. No, I missed that. Oh shoot. I hope, you know, and then you process that for the whole day. And then the next day we're like, okay, well they should have probably uh, got it to the callbacks by now, or they should have, a producer should have seen it by now, or I should probably the next day, oh, my agent should probably let me know that, Hey, they want to see me again. And there's this like timeline in your head of what should happen. Um, and you kind of live in that for a while. And then you're like, Oh no, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And that's, that's like a, a very unhealthy way of analyzing in, in stuff that I for sure have done out here. I mean, it seems like it's, it's probably healthy to some level, right? Like y- you should be disappointed if you don't make a role, like if you don't get a role that you auditioned for, or I, it seems like a natural feeling to me, right? It's just the point where it kind of takes over all aspects of your life and it's kind of controlling all of your thoughts is, is, is yeah. that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, kind of. But I'm also talking about like the politics of it to where it's like, sorry, we went uh, a different ethnicity for this role because this person was this color or we went, um, you know, y- you, we already have a ginger on the show, so we couldn't bring in two or uh, sorry, you weren't quite tall enough or you were too tall compared to the lead and it would outstand them. And like mm. all these factors that, you know, from a producing standpoint, you're like, yeah, you could still be the best. And in the end, if you're not the right look or fit or size, there's just so much red tape you have to jump through. And it, it might 100% not be about talent. Um, and that's kind of what I'm talking about. I was like, there's so many outside factors. You could be the best of the best and still not get the job. And you got to let that go. And I think, you know, the, the situations that I deal with at work probably are, are not the same amount of pressure, but I can feel myself oscillate between those two extremes um, over time. Like if I'm really feeling, uh, if I'm feeling like things at work are not going well, it's really easy for me to just dissociate from it and say like, well, I don't really care. You know, if, if, if I'm not successful at this job, whatever, I guess I'll just find something else, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and not let it affect my, uh, my mood or anything. Um, where at the same time, if things are going really well, 
and there is something that goes wrong at work or something really important coming up, then it's kind of like what you said, that can control my mind and it, uh, it makes it difficult to spend time with my friends or spend time with my family because mm-hmm. that's the only thing on my mind when, you know, it's just work. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, but I, I definitely gravitate towards the, uh, towards the not caring side. Mm. Um, and I, you know, I, I think that that you have to care about something like you have to care about stuff. If you go through life, not caring about anything, you're never going to make a difference because you're going to let life come at you and you are going to go with the flow. Um, and that, that's like what I do. I go with the flow, but if you actually want to make a difference, if you want to go out there and make changes, you have to care about something. You have to let something bug you if it's not right. Um, and you just have to, I think you have to strategically choose what are those things that you are going to say, no, this bugs me. If it's not right, this, I care about this and you got to go for it. And so I think it's not about caring and caring or not caring. It's about choosing the things that you are going to pour your time into and really, um, yeah, care about the outcome of. You know, we, we all are passionate about something. It doesn't necessarily have to be our, the work that we do or the job that we are, um, whatever it is the boss does or the dietitian or what have you, you guys all, you know, an actor, an actuary, a dietitian, and a boss, like we all do our own work, but necessarily it doesn't mean that's what we're passionate about. There could be something within that job that we're passionate about. There could be a, a side thing that we do, um, that we're passionate about. And I think that's where you like what you're saying, we go all out on the very specific things that we feel called to do. Uh, you know, I, I feel very specifically called into the film industry. I'm not totally sure to what extent I'm not totally sure to, you know, I'm still working through that. I don't know if it is in acting. I don't know if it is in running my own, you know, production company or directing or what have you, but I think we're always trying to find a little bit more of that specificity in our passion in what we do, not necessarily as the actuary, but I bet there is something in the identity of what you do um, that is really saying like, Hey, I, I really do care about this. I mean, is there something as an actuary that you're like within this job, I highly value, or I'm very passionate about this one specific thing and, and why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And you gave me a great idea, you know, what it, so we, this show is named the actor and the actuary. It's about our vocations. If we name this show more on what we thought our calling was, uh, you know, more generally, not just vocation, what do you think it would be called? So that that's pretty much the question you just asked me here. Uh So I would say for me, um, yeah, I, what I really love most about my job Um, and what I like to bring to it and also bring to all aspects of my life or to everyone I come into contact with is joy. Um, so whether it's joy to those I work with, whether it is joy to those who are purchasing the products that I help price, uh, and, you know, giving them the ability to experience joy, to give them some of that freedom. Um, that's really what gets me excited. Uh, so Mm. yeah, instead of the actuary, I think I might be the, uh, the joy bringer. Yeah. <laughs> I like, like that. that. I like that a lot. I, 
Uh, that's, that's, I mean, that brings up a whole new like thought in terms of like what I want to do out here too. Um, because I would probably classify myself in the, uh, the, the root, the rooter of the underdog, you know, um, because I love, I love writing stories that root for the underdog. I love watching movies that have a message that really bring the underdog through. I felt kind of like an underdog. We talked a little bit, um, in a previous episode about how I I didn't have a whole lot of friends, um, in school through, you know, all the way up and in through the end of high school. And I kind of felt a little bit more like the underdog of, you know, grade school. Um, and I, and I want, I want people who are unseen or feel unseen to be seen. I want the people who are not so popular or not have no, don't have everything going for them even like the homeless on the corners, I, I want to root for the underdog. Um, and I think that would be something that I'm kind of pulling for in the stories I want to tell and be a part of. That's really cool. And I bet it extends beyond that too. Like just those that you come into contact with, you want to help those that are the underdog and, and right. you want to see them succeed. Right. All right. Well, let's change our podcast to the All underdog right. rooter and the joy bringer. All right. There it is. Dun 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 dun. Welcome to uh, the Underdog Rooter and the um, Joybringer. I'm Jeffrey Larson, the Underdog Rooter, <laughs> and I'm Aaron Sarble, the Joybringer. <laughs> it doesn't have the same ring. Let's, let's stick just with stick ours. with the yeah. other one. But yeah. <laughs> I've I've enjoyed this. This has been this has been a good chat. Yeah, agreed. Um, but hey, question for you. Um, yes. did you show whimsy last <laughs> I week? I knew you were gonna ask this question. Um, you know, here, here's what I was, I, I, I want to be super <laughs> real and transparent in this podcast. Cause I could come up with something and be like, yeah, this was intentional whimsy. Um, which I was, you know, contemplating. I was, oh yeah, that was kind of whimsy, but like, I, I wasn't very, what I had an email reminder that's like show whimsy, show whimsy. And I never found an opportunity or I was too busy or I was all excuse after excuse to intentionally go out of the way and show whimsy. So I'm going to say, Hey, you know what? Let's do it again this week. Um, I did fail this week and it's okay to fail, but I want to own that. And I'm going to show intentional whimsy this coming week. So ask me again next week. Um, and I'll uh, get back to you. Sounds good. Um, I kind of failed too. Uh, I had the assist from Jess. Um, she we're a team, so I figure it counts. Yes. Um, you know, we were, uh, we were going to have dinner and instead of just have dinner, you know, she decided, Hey, let's insert some whimsy into this. Uh, let's just get a picnic blanket out. Let's throw it on the living room floor and let's turn on the Olympics and say, we're having an Olympic picnic. Oh, and I like that. Henry loved it. And it's like really simple. You know, it's like that, that is definitely whimsy. I know exactly. And so, but, the, but it, that wasn't me. That was Jess's idea. But like I said, we're a team. So, you know, kind of counts. <laughs> it does count. Yeah. But that's <sighs> like, a, that's a good example right there. It's just so easy. It hardly took any effort. It was just transforming some everyday thing and making it a little bit more whimsical, a little more fun. Yeah. 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 Okay. I have ideas now. Yeah. So take, take some time over the next week. Think about what, what do you care about? What should you care about? And, um, you know, take some time to make sure your priorities are in the right place. I know I will be thinking about that over the next week as well. Yeah. I with love that, it. with that, I am Aaron Sorbel, the actuary. I'm Jeffrey Larson, the actor. And, uh, until next time. <laughs>